we welcome you to the Truth Simply Put, our broadcast and teaching series at the Basilea Commission. You're about to receive God's unadulterated word, brought to you by Pastor Alexander Victor. Challenging, uplifting, and provoking you to new dimensions in your kingdom walk. And now, today's message. I won't teach, I will just um, greet. <laughs> Hallelujah. Can we talk a little? Yes, we can talk a little? Yes, the Christ conscious believer part 21. Jesus. It's been a good journey so far. I'd like to run through this one today. Does that make sense? So just run through it. Please pay attention. Certainly nothing is more important than the teaching of God's word. Yeah. Nothing. So here's where you settle down and receive in the atmosphere of expectation. Is that all right? Can everybody hear me? Yes, sir. Great. So we are going to our 11th hallmark of the Christ Conscious Believer. I don't have time to run through the synopsis. It's all on the website, you know, on Podbean. You can get it or you can get a flash drive and copy it from the guys at the MTF whenever you're free, okay? So we'll just continue straight into the 11th hallmark, which is that the Christ Conscious Believer is driven by a zeal to preach the gospel. The Christ-conscious believer, that's part 11th hallmark of the Christ-conscious believer. The Christ-conscious believer is what? Driven by a zeal to preach the gospel. Preaching the gospel is not optional for a believer. Preaching the gospel is not optional. Can we all say that together? Preaching the gospel is not optional. There is nothing you can do in the kingdom to substitute for preaching the gospel. Nothing. You cannot give your way out of preaching the gospel. You cannot serve your way out of preaching the gospel. You cannot pray your way. In other words, you cannot pray. You say, I, I, I will just pray. Let them preach. Do you understand? I will just give to sponsor the preaching of the gospel. I will just serve. I will, I will follow up those that have been brought in by the preaching. There is no service you can offer that substitutes for the preaching of the gospel as a believer. Nothing replaces or substitutes. The Great Commission, as they call it popularly, in essence, like I've said, and I, I've got into trouble for saying this, you know, but it's beautiful when you stand on the side of truth because the truth defends itself, yeah. himself. I, I, I like that song, actually, that says you, you carried me when some carry their God. You um, feed me when others feed their God. You fight for me or something when others, or fought for me when others fight for their God. I mean, I like it, too. Because the God you have to fight for is a, is a monkey. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, if you're a God, why do you need men to fight for you? So truth is truth. It's consistent. It's a standard. We're not afraid of truth because we're on the side of truth. If you call us to reason, we reason on the basis of truth. The word of God rightly divided. You ask us a question, we answer you according to scripture. If we won't help you, then you're on your own. But nothing substitutes preaching. 
how you know, that, how you understand the, and have the boldness to preach is when you understand, and I've said it before, you know, and I, I, a bunch of things I say and I get into trouble and lately I seem to be getting into a lot of trouble, but it's okay. Tell anybody it's okay. Yeah, it's all right. I said over and over, the Great Commission is not a mandate to save souls. Have you saved a soul today? Till you die, you will never save a soul. You're not called to save a soul. Neither are you called to win one. We're called to preach the gospel to the end that disciples are made of men. Simple. In other words, we are called to make disciples of men by the preaching of the gospel. Make sense? It's not. We're not called to save men. We're called to preach the gospel. And let the gospel save men. <laughs> Are you hearing me? Yes, sir. Yeah. We're not called to save. We're called to preach the saving grace of the gospel. For I'm not ashamed, Paul says in Romans 1 and 16, of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto what? Salvation. What is the power of God unto salvation? The gospel. The gospel does not contain the power of God unto salvation. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. In other words, in the preaching of the gospel is the dissemination of the power to save. In the preaching of the gospel is the transmission of saving grace. You don't, you don't arm yourself with the gospel and the power to save. You arm yourself with the gospel which is the power of God to save. If God will save a man, he will have him hear the gospel. Not have him look at your life. If God will save someone, he will expose that, that, that person, such a person, to the light of this glorious gospel. So you cannot afford to not preach it. Mark 16 and 15. Quickly. Mark 16 and 15. And he said to them, New King James, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Somebody say, preach the gospel. gospel. Turn to your neighbor and say, preach the gospel. gospel. Turn to the other one and say, preach the gospel. And I've told you in this house, you know, the gospel is not, where will you spend your eternity? Nobody sent you to ask that. You're not the eternity prefect. (laughs) Nancy, where would you go when you die? I was watching a movie recently and a lady, the lady asked AJ, um, Sophia asked AJ, or no, asked her, her cousin, I can't remember that crazy girl's name now, Jacob, Jacob's daughter, um, you know, asked her, have you, been, have, you been, have you been wondering what will happen when you die? What happens to your soul when you die? And she's like, yeah, she's been thinking about it. She thinks that you stay in a particular still state and you know, you just are unconscious or whatever. They now asked this other dude, they said, AJ, what do you think about what happens to a person when they die? The person says, I, I don't know. I've just been content with doing everything to enjoy being alive. And I said, Amen, AJ. <laughs> Preach. I always wait. <laughs> what do you die? No, he said, No, I'm, right now I'm just getting comfortable with living. Live dying. <laughs> sort that out later. Jesus said, I am come that they may have life. He didn't say, I am come that they may escape death. 
It's a marked difference. He said, I'm come that they might not be destroyed. He said, no, that one came for destruction. I am come that they may have life. He who believes in me, I give him life. I, he, all he put on display was the life he came to give. Not the escape that that life afforded the believer. There is therefore a problem if you are preaching something and call it the gospel and all it highlights is a way out of something. Are you following me? Give your life to Christ so that you will not go to hell. That's such a very poor incentive for giving your life to Christ. Very poor. Where will you spend eternity? And then you now hear sadists. Sadist. If you, let me face these people today. How are they? And this is not getting used to people sitting here, you know. Later, we'll not put them one. You know those TVs that look like a monitor screen like this? Spirit, you just be seeing me. Looking straight at me. How you doing? What did I come to ask you? I remember. So if you go out like this now, you are crossing the road. It cannot jam your boa. And you die. But how is this edifying? How does this release faith in the hearer? It can't jam you. Why is that? Why is it that that's the only thing in your mind? You see why it takes a renewed mind to grasp his goodwill, perfect will, acceptable will. Why would you be thinking that in giving the free gift of righteousness? You are linking it to boah. You are in your house now. Arm robbers come, shoot, or stray bullets hit you. Or you sleep, you die in your sleep. Every night you sleep, you die. Straight bullet hits you. I'm robbers coming to your house. The rapture sound. I've told you in this house, you better go and learn the sound of trumpets. Go and learn the sound of trumpets. Angel will blow trumpet. You think it's 9-11 passing. You think it's unison truck, horn. Rapture, fuck, leave you. You now see you coming. Ah, what happened? Father, I heard that thing now. It was that the Trump. It sounded like that truck that was passing. So I didn't cut up. <laughs> I didn't cut up. Oh. Is that how Trump used to sound? I heard it now. <laughs> see, one of the most beautiful things about the gospel is that it is not of works. If there is a cutting up, I would have already been cut up. (laughs) Before I even realized that there was a cutting up. I'm I'm not the one trying to to be... No. To be cut up. No. (laughs) No. No. You just be... And then... you won't even know. That's, what, that's the, the allegory of in the twinkling of an eye. Yeah. You, you, you just be walking with God and walking with God and enter the day of the Lord. I'm telling you the truth. Don't take it so personal. Some of you are looking forward to flying. <laughs> I will teach on it. I will teach on it someday. Someday I will teach on it. Because a lot of believers are looking forward to taking off. 
Someday we gonna get so high, high. And to fly. You just find yourself in the day of the Lord and not know how you got there. That's what Paul means by in the twinkling of an eye. In other words, you can't process it in chronos. In time. You can't, you can't process it. You just wake up and realize that you have a translated body. And life goes on in him. So if you're waiting to hear trumpet, ra 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 ra, para ra, para ra, you don't even know how the trumpet sounds on earth. <laughs> you don't know which kind of trumpet, whether it's bigu, whether it's muted trumpet, whether it's tuba. Say, Masa. That is why Paul says to them in 1 Thessalonians 4 and 5, he said, Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Hey. It wasn't the comfort as though they were crying. It was comfort as the ministry of the Holy Spirit, Paracletos, to let you know that I, this is a done deal. Don't worry about it. That's why I didn't spend too much time talking about it to the churches. Paul didn't major on rapture. He didn't major. Hallelujah. He didn't major on, on, on the rapture. Major on the gospel. Because a man who is in the gospel is raptured already. Where are you looking to see? You're good job. I'll teach about You're raptured already. This is the greatest miracle that God can ever do. Getting you saved. Getting you like this. You. So the gospel is not about what you are escaping. The gospel is about what is laid up for you. That's the gospel. What's laid up for you? So you're skipping. No, no. So we go and preach the gospel to every creature. Every creature. I'm not sure this is coming from me, but as well. The word preach, remember that? The word preach is the word keruxete in the Greek from the word keruzo, which means to announce publicly or to proclaim. That's why it has no substitute. Announce publicly or to proclaim. The gospel and the matters pertaining to it, right? That is ministry. Diakonia, that word. Or diaconia, that's the word. That's our primary service. 1 Timothy 1 and 12. Are you getting this? 1 Timothy 1 and 12. And I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, Paul is telling Timothy, who has enabled me because he has counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Keep going, just just get to the... Although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, an an insolent man, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in belief. He has counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. What was the ministry? Planting planting churches? Feeding the poor? Medical outreach? Humanitarian services? Building schools in the villages? Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with those. But none of those is the preaching of the gospel. None of those brings light to the unbeliever. None. Jesus healed people, fed them. They got up and beat the crap out of him and killed him. He killed him. What's the ministry? Preaching the gospel. Ephesians 4.12. Ephesians 4.12. 
for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. What's the work of ministry? Preaching the gospel. Are you here? Colossians 4.17. I'm just running through this to wrap it up. Colossians 4 and 17. Paul was wrapping up his letter to the Colossians and he was calling people by name. Paul was telling them, he said, please, you guys, tell Archippus, take heed to the ministry. Mind the ministry. Because apparently, it's easy to deduce that reports would have gotten to Paul that Archippus is treating the ministry with levity. You understand? So Paul says, tell Archippus, take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord that you may fulfill it. Somebody said that you may, be, you know, you may fulfill it. Tell your neighbor, take heed to the ministry you have received from the Lord. That you may fulfill it. Because that's the ministry that we've received. 2 Timothy 4 and 5. 2 Timothy 4 and 5. I'm just showing you the scriptures. But you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist. That's the word evangelion, right? That's the word from which evangelists come. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Tell your neighbor, do the work of an evangelist. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. And we have said your ministry is what? The preaching of the gospel. That's your primary ministry. In other words, everything else you do must be in tandem with the preaching of the gospel. Must be in consonance with the preaching of the gospel. Because that's your ministry. 2 Corinthians 5, right? 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 12. We'll run through it. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 12. For we do not commend ourselves again to you, but we give you opportunity to boast on our behalf that... You may have an answer for those who boast in appearance and not in heart. 13. For if we are besides ourselves, it's for God. Or if we have sound mind, it's, it's for you. If they say we are crazy, it's for God. If they say that we are head is normal, it's all for your sake. 14. For the love of Christ compels us. For we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. Isn't that beautiful? For we judge thus, this is our submission, my Lord. Hmm? Closing statement. I plead thus, if one died, all died. One. Somebody say one. All. Let me do that close. If one died for all, then all died through one. And if he died for all, and he died for all, that we who live, should live no longer for themselves. Can you see that? He didn't die for us to live for ourselves. But we should live for him who died for us and rose again. 16, therefore from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ... I'm trying to stay on this point, you know, but ah, man, that's why it takes time to teach God's word. We used to know people in the flesh, but we don't know them after the flesh anymore. Why don't you know them after the flesh anymore? Because in the dying of that one, for all, all died. So we're looking at them according to their problems and their issues. 
We're looking at them according to what society calls them. We're looking at them according to how people judge their dressing and their big earrings and, and their loud makeup. And, and we're looking at them and we're thinking, mm, there's something about this one is iffy. No, no, no. One died for all. So regardless of how that person looks, that person you're looking at died in the one that died for them. So because of that, we've had to adjust how we look at people. We've had to adjust how we now look at people. Though, because, that's why I always, those of you who are close to me, I always say, ah, God has all kinds of children. It's one of my favorite phrases. I say it a lot. Ah! God has different shades of children. Because they are his. So that's what Paul meant in 16. He says, you know, so now we have to adjust how we look at people. Um, give us one of them translations. 16. Uh, let me know how we're doing. Maybe now they can pump smoke for me. So, so we have stopped evaluating NLT. We have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know now. Loop it again and put it in the message. Okay, TPT. From then, so then, from now on, we have a new perspective that refuses to evaluate people merely by their outward appearance. Was I right or was I correct? For that's how we once viewed the anointed one, that's Jesus. But no longer do we see him with limited human insight. You understand? Jesus too. Jesus. We saw him. It's because of how they saw him in the flesh that Peter can say, shut up. Why are you talking about dying? Talk to me about abiding house. What's wrong with you? It's because of that their limited human point of view that Jesus would say, but somebody touched me. Peter said, my friend, all of us touched you. They saw him according to the flesh. It's because of this view of the flesh that he would say, feed them. And Philip would go, ah, ah. Even if we had two million naira, we can't feed all these people. Because they perceived not who he was. Yes, sir. They saw him in the flesh. And that happens in church even today. Yeah. A lot of us evaluate each other in the flesh. Yeah. Yes, evaluate your leaders in the flesh. Your pastors in the flesh. Because you are upset with your pastor, you believe that when something happens, you believe your pastor is upset with you. If some of you have fallen into that trap yeah. with me. I will straighten you out. And I'm asking you, you think I'm fleshy like you? How come I'm your pastor? Because if you, if you have a pastor that's on your same level of flesh, you are in trouble. Oh. Don't, you, don't you agree? All of, all of us are doomed. You play flesh, I play flesh. You're angry, me too, I'm angry, you didn't give. I'm not looking at you. I'm, look at that one. Good evening, pastor. Uh-huh. How are you? Ah, we are, we're all dead. Oh. Do you understand? We're all dead. That is the reason why as much as the shepherd looks after the sheep, leads them in, Jesus says, leads them out. Have you ever seen a shepherd eating grass? Smells like them. Eats of them. The sheep supply wool to the shepherd. You don't see the shepherd eating grass. So you can't be stuck with a pastor that is in the flesh like you. Say, I'm not talking to you. Don't talk, don't talk to me. Don't talk, don't talk to me. You didn't come to church yesterday. You <laughs> No, you can't do that. We are sons. You can't can't do that now. So you now feel like, eh, because you too, when somebody does something to you, you get angry. You spark. You're not talking to the person for three days. So we didn't hear from pastor for three days. You don't believe it's because pastor is angry. 
with you. Pastor doesn't want to see you again. You should repent. Change your mind. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. We see after the flesh. So they looked at Jesus and ah, what would you say that kind of thing? That's why Mary and Martha, Jesus will arrive. I mean, Jesus was a regular. Jesus loved his food. Jesus, food. Ah! Jesus, food, food. Jesus. Jesus came eating and drinking. The Bible says it. And drinking. Please don't tell me it's Zobo he drank. Don't do that. 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 Don't tell me it's orange juice. <laughs> Chai Vita. <laughs> mm. Uncle, Jesus came drinking. You don't call somebody a wine babbler who is drinking orange juice. Hello? No, you don't call somebody a drunkard who is drinking kunu. He has to be drinking something. Got to be drinking something. <laughs> because it says John the Baptist came neither eating nor drinking. Mm -hmm. The son of man came eating and drinking. Who said the son of man came eating and drinking? The son of man. No, we're not accusing Jesus of drinking. Jesus said he came eating and drinking. Everywhere Jesus went. Oh, there was food. Steady. Steady. Arrived Peter's mother-in-law's house. As per usual. The woman said she's in the bed. That she's sick with fever. She cannot cope. Jesus was like, my friend, get out, fever. And says, and immediately she, fever left her and she stood up. And I, I tell, oh my God. Oh my God. Jesus was like, who, 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 who you want to leave this kitchen for? My friend, man, I go see Anama. You want to cook for the son of man. See, we came here for, for, for joke. <laughs> fever and food. No, 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 no. The son of man is lord of the fever. <laughs> Immediately, she got up and began to cook for Jesus. Straight up. No, they will, no, they will not change the order of service because you are sick. I'm going somewhere with this. So I, I'm just establishing for you that this was his custom. Zacchaeus, talk, calm down. Today. <laughs> Your turn. Jesus will wake up in the morning with his disciples. He'll be like, ah, wait till we'll jump today. I'm serious, of your, I'm serious. Who won't feed son of man today? Where are we going to eat? Wherever we eat, the gospel will arrive there. Ah, Levi. He's collecting tax. Okay, Levi, your house. Jesus hardly visited believers. Matthew, your turn. Zacchaeus now went to climb tree that he just wants to see. Say, hey, come down. <laughs> and what, uh, go and read, the, go and read the, what they call the Gospels. Because they don't contain the Gospel to the end. Matthew, Matthew, and John. Go and read. You see where it says Jesus sat at the table of the tax collector. He sat and he reclined at the table. Whenever he went, he was not in a hurry. Yeah. Sat down. 
So it was deep stuff for Jesus. That's why at the end of the day, what did he use to exemplify his body and his blood? Food! He said that, he told them in, in the Corinthian church, anytime you are eating food, remember me. Because I am food. I am food. He told them in John 6, he said, my body is food indeed. My blood is wine indeed. He wasn't meaning it in a literal sense. He was using literal things to show them a deeper reality. So he came eating. He came putting a premium on food. So when he tells you the kingdom of God is not meat and bread, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost, you will understand. I am your food. I am your bread. I am your water. I am your wine. I am. We're in 2 Corinthians 5. He gets to the house of Lazarus, Mary and Martha. He has come all the time to eat. Waiting day today. Martha. <laughs> Apron. Waiting day. One day Mary saw differently. Jesus arrived as was his custom. Yes. That was not the first time he was going there, John 11. No. Mary sat down. She perceived something. It was the same premium that the Samaritan woman placed on him in John 4 at the well. She said, I perceive that you're a prophet. She, she, had, she didn't have full revelation. But she knew that this guy was not a normal guy. I perceive. You know what? Leave this talk about, about water and well. Let's talk worship. That worship thing had been bugging her for a while. She did not, she did not know who to ask. Whoever she asked would tell her the same religious answer. So the moment she perceived that Jesus was not a chip of the old block, she said, leave water talk first. Let's talk this worship that has been worrying me. Yeah, our father say. So Mary noticed it, and she switched from seeing him after the flesh to seeing him after the spirit. Martha got upset. That's what Paul was saying there. He said, even Jesus, we saw him after the flesh. But now we don't see him after the flesh any longer. And because we have adjusted how we see Jesus, we have adjusted how we see people that believe. And that is why we now understand that if any man is in Christ, are you following it now? That's how it goes to verse 17. You can't just speak the the verse 17 and just, a man might be in Christ, he's a new creature. There's a a pretext, there's a context. So because because we have understood that now, we we now understand that if any man be in Christ, stay with me, are we in modern life? If any man be in Christ, it's a new creation. Because now we see men differently. We see men according to the fact that all died in the one that died for all. Yeah. Are we there? So let's go on and finish in verse 21. It's 18. It's a new creation. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. 18. 18. Now, all things are of God. We're seeing the ministry. Who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. That's important. That's important. We're not just reconciled to God. Reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. And that he has given us the ministry, diakonia, of, what's the ministry of? Mm-hmm. That is, in other words, that ministry, let me down define that ministry. That is, the ministry is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses against them. That's the first part of the understanding of the ministry. And, second part, has now committed to us the word of reconciliation. So what is the ministry? The word of reconciliation. The gospel. God is not mad at you. 
The price for your sin is paid. There's no record of wrong of you in heaven. The book of life is a person. You are written in him. Listen, sir. Don't ever worry about book of darkness, book of unwrite the name someday. You are sealed. You have come into the tree of life. The moment you believe, it's activated in you what Christ already did. Ah, but how can you say that, that I, how can I even need a, a, a savior when I don't even feel like I did anything wrong? No, inside one died. Do you understand the concept of a prototype? There's no human being who has sense that doesn't understand the concept of a prototype about something coming first. And has committed the word of reconciliation. Verse 20. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as Though God were pleading through us, we implore you, be reconciled to God. That's the ministry we are called to. Preaching the gospel. Are we here? Preaching the gospel. The gospel of the new covenant. 2 Corinthians 3, go back a bit. I can't deal with that tonight. 2 Corinthians 3, 5 and 6. I'll just show you. The ministry of the gospel. The ministry of the new covenant. 2 Corinthians 3, 5 and 6. Are you getting anything? Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God. Six, doesn't stop there, you know. Our sufficiency is from God. Who has made us sufficient as what? So your sufficiency is unto a particular end. God is sufficient in you towards the work of ministry. Not towards building your own personal empire. Yeah. Are you seeing how we're getting layer upon layer now? Yes, sir. Our sufficiencies of God, who has made us sufficient as ministers. All of us ministers. All of us ministers. Diakonia. All of us ministers. The word there's diakonos actually. All of us ministers. Our sufficiency, everything God is working in us is to make us able ministers. God's sufficiency in you is not primarily to make you able millionaire. Not to make you able businessman. That one day. But the sufficiency of God is for the processing of the believer as an able minister of what? The new covenant. Go on. It gets nicer. Of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter, the law, kills, but the spirit gives life. So anybody that is a minister ministering the letter is not sufficient. Out. You are actually insufficient if what you are ministering is bringing death. That's what it's it saying. How do we know letter killeth? Hmm? We're not ministers of the letter. We're ministers of the spirit. What is the letter? The next verse answers itself. Next verse. But if the ministry of death, written and engraved on stones, that was a shade at the law of Moses. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like boom, in your face, Mo. <laughs> written and engraved on stones that you are saying is, is today. Because, hey, I... Uh, and the law is fulfilled, but the Ten Commandments is in, is in force. It wasn't the 613 laws that were written on stone, sir. It's the 10. 
In fact, written on stone twice. The Ten Commandments is still in for the moral love. It's in force today. Written and engraved on stones. Ministry of what? Death. Death. Yeah, granted, it was glorious. So gone that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance. Which glory? That glory was what? Passing away. Verse 8. Now. How will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? So if the ministry of the Spirit is not of the letter, how come we need to retain some of the letter in the Spirit? How come we need to... So, so it's, even our new creation guys have not understood this thing properly. Oh, no, 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 no. The, the Ten Commandments are still in force because you are afraid to believe that God retired it in totality. You're afraid to believe that without the Ten Commandments, we cannot live lives worthy of our calling. If you met Christ, what is thou shall not kill? If you met Christ, what is thou shall not steal? If you met Christ, what is honor the Sabbath? Jesus is the perpetual honoring of the Sabbath. He is the Sabbath. That's the Sabbath was symbolic of rest. Whoever has come into Christ, so, uh, Pastor, you said that um, um, the Sabbath will be kept for all eternity. Yes, yes, it is being kept by the captor of. of you have entered Sabbath. You don't know. All of our church, all our church is Sabbath church. Not of the day, of the hymn that is Sabbath. Not of those that meet on Saturday. How do you know Saturday is the Sabbath? It's a Gregorian calendar. In the terms of scripture, there was no Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So you just chose the Saturday to try and keep a law that is not designed to be kept in times and seasons. But in time kept by him who holds times and seasons. I shall not keep. I shall not steal. Why do you need regulations? That's not taste. That's not taught. Go Colossians two now. That shall not. That shall not. That shall not. That shall not. Thou shall not. Thou shall not. Thou shall love the Lord thy God. Thou shall. Thou shall. Thou shall. Thou shall. Thou shall. Thou shall. The day that thou shalt not, thou shalt. Thou shalt. Thou shalt. Thou shalt. Thou shalt. That is not the nature of God. In this dispensation, he's dealing with sons. How will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? Let's finish. We can go. Next verse. For if the ministry of condemnation had glory, that glory, the ministry of righteousness, first of all, it was called the letter, the ministry of death. No, no, no. Ministry of condemnation. Letter versus spirit. Ministry of death versus life. Ministry of condemnation versus ministry of righteousness. The ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. Next verse. Verse 10. For even what was made glorious, that letter, that law, on tables of stone, had no glory when you're talking about disrespect. Because this glory excels. This glory excels. It's fraudulent for anybody to stand and say, I mean, I mean, I'm preaching Christ. And you are, you are putting what was fading away. And trying to bridge it with what is now. 
and you are convinced that you are trying to balance the scripture. You're the one that's imbalanced. Because no balanced person will try to balance the scripture. For if what was passing away, engraved on stones, letter, death, condemnation, if it was passing away, it was glorious. Was, somebody say was. What remains is much more glorious. Twelve. Therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech. We, having such boldness. Because of the hope. That's why we sound the way we sound. Come and beat me. Yes, sir. Because of this hope we have, that the letter, the ministry of death, the ministry of condemnation, ain't got nothing on this brother. Because of that hope, we talk the way we talk. How does NLT put, or, or TBT put verse 13? No, verse 12, verse 12, verse 12, verse 12. So then, with this amazing hope living in us, we step out in freedom and boldness to speak the truth. Yes. Message. What kind of, with that kind of hope to excite us, nothing holds us back. Amplified. Since we have such a glorious hope and confident expectation, we speak with great courage. Since this new way gives us such confidence, we can be very bold. NLT. So you see why there's, you, you, there's no reason not to, you, 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 are, you are filled with zeal to preach the gospel. Because it's good news. It's good news. It's great news. One died for all. All die. All you got to do, dude, is believe. You're free. There ain't nothing being held against you. Preach it. Tell your neighbor, preach it. Tell your neighbor, preach it. So the proclamation of the gospel is our primary ministry to the world. Can we say that together? The proclamation of the gospel is our primary ministry to the world. One more time. The proclamation of the gospel is our primary ministry to the world. The proclamation of the gospel is our primary ministry to the world. We are driven by zeal to preach it. Zeal. Look at Romans 1, 14 to 16. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Romans 1, 14 to 16. I'm a debtor both to the Greeks and the barbarians, both to the wise and unwise. So as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel. Somebody say, I'm ready to preach the gospel. As much as is in me. Ready. I'm ready to preach the gospel. Ready, always. To you who are in Rome also. Why is he, such, why is he ready? Why is he operating on such a level of readiness to preach the gospel? Why? Because he's not ashamed. That's how it goes into verse 16. You see the connection? Yeah. Greek or barbarian, Jew, I'm, I'm good. Even you, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you. Why am I so ready at all times to preach the gospel? Because I am not ashamed. I'm bold. I'm not ashamed. I have freedom of speech because of this hope. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power. It is the power. First Corinthians 9.16. I'm done. I don't, want to, I don't want to carry this up into next week. Is that all right? 1 Corinthians 9.16. For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of. For necessity is laid upon me. Yes, woe is me if I don't preach the gospel. The word woe is not a curse. Contrary to what ministers of the old covenant have taught you. Woe to you. Yay, of course me. Woe is just an, is an exclamation. Oh, we in the Greek. It's an exclamation of grief and regret. So you can be a son of God and be in woe. Do you understand? You can be a son of God. You, so you will make the heaven. 
you will get into the day of the Lord and wish you, and wish you did more. Because you will give account of what you did in the body. That's what Paul referred to in 1 Corinthians 3 when he said, run as though you may obtain the prize. Not salvation as the prize now, but reward for works done in the body, according to chapter 15. So, whoa, this means like, ah, woman, oh, that I'd preached, I, I wish I'd preached the gospel. Just, 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 not war as in cursed are you, go corazin, cursed are you. Jesus was lamenting for them, not cursing them. Yeah. Yeah. A story for another day. He wasn't cursing them. He was lamenting for them. He said, ah, oh, look at Sodom. Oh, the things that were done, were done in you. Oh, oh, my heart grieves for Chorazin. My heart grieves for Gomorrah. Not cursed are you. That's not what woe means. Come on, check it. Yeah, because if he just is cursing them, then, and he came not to, not to curse but to bless, then there's already a problem with the Jesus. And he's not trustworthy and he doesn't have integrity. And then he's saying, bless those that are cursed you. Bless, I say to you, and not curse. Then he himself is the chief curser. That's why it is, let me put this here so I can say it very loudly. That's why it will amount to God walking in unforgiveness for anybody to end up in hell because of sin. Yes, 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 yes. Yes. That God should be stoned. Yes. Burnt at the stake. Crucified. That God is a devil. Yes. That God has no right to tell me to walk and not walk in malice. That God has no right to tell me to not backbite. That God has no moral standing to tell me to, not, to, to bless those that despitefully use me. That God has no right to tell me to not hold against someone and not walk in slander. That God has no right to tell me they, they slap you on one cheek, turn the other cheek. Why, why is he not turning his cheek? You can't be telling me to do one thing that's different to what you're doing. Yes. I, I slipped, and I, and I slipped, and I fell, and then boom, I'm in hell. You remove my name, delete it. You are a vindictive person. And so what has happened is men have rewritten God according to their nature. Just like what I was telling you about your pastor a few, a few minutes ago. You know, because you feel like you're feeling a particular way, then you feel like the other person is dealing with you that way. We have rewritten God's nature according to ours. How can God forgive so easily when it's not easy to forgive? So every time I'll just be offending God, I'll just be offending God, I'll just be offending God, and then God will be forgiving. That's what he was telling them when he said 70 times 7. Duh! So you forgive your neighbor 70 times 7, 70 times 7, and then you serve me faithfully, trumpet, sound, you are doing something, you go to hell. That God is an unforgiving, vindictive God cannot do 70 times 7. That's a bloodthirsty God. Worse than a familiar spirit. Worse than anything hell ever manufactured. Be wary of that God. Oh, but pastor, if you tell them this thing, they will not get up and start to sin anyhow. We have not so lent Christ. We have not so lent Christ. How kind of unforgiving God is that? And tell me to forgive. No, Ephesians actually made it worse. He said, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ also forgave you. Forgave. Forgave. Forgave you. No, it's not forgiving. That's forgiving you, all of it. There's no forgiveness left to give you. You try and spend all of it. Try. Try if you can. Try and spend all of grace. Try. Try. 
Because what kind of God would I make him? That man, that would be unforgiveness of the highest proportion. Can't serve that kind of God. I'm better than him. Think about it. No. I'm cooler than him. I keep it real more than he does. God and God going around having beef with people. No, 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 no. You loved him. You worshipped him. Everything was cool. You messed up and you failed. Ah! Depart from me. Ah! Please, 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 please. Woe was not a curse. Please check it. O, son, O, U, A, I. Owe or Owa in the Greek for woe. It's like, ah! You know, like an utterance in, in pain and regret. It's like, ah! I wish. If only! Paul said, ah, man! I'll be smoked if I don't preach the gospel. Yeah. You following me? Yes, sir. Ah, what am I doing? What would I spend my life doing if I wasn't preaching the gospel? He was a tent maker to preach the gospel. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. He was a traveler, not because he loved tourism. Mm. He was a traveler to preach the gospel. Are you following me? He was not just an adventurer that liked going from place to place. Sicily to Lystra. Lystra to Ephesus. Ephesus to Corinth. Corinth to Apollos. Apollos to Alexandra. Alexandra to Philippi. Philippi to Galatia. Galatia to Athens. Athens. No, 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 no. He wasn't Christopher Columbus. <laughs> Everything he did was galvanized towards the preaching of the gospel. That's your primary ministry, sir. Tell anybody that's your primary ministry. Oof. Did you get this? Every spiritual and earthly resource you seek should be geared towards the preaching of the gospel. Every. Paul prayed in Colossians 4.3. Colossians 4.3. Meanwhile, praying also, 4 and 3 and 4. Meanwhile, praying also for us, Paul is telling the Colossian church, that God will open to us a door for, a door for, to speak the mystery of Christ, for whom I am also in chains. Go on to verse 4 that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Make what manifest? The word. So when he asks them to pray, he said, pray for a door to be open for what? The word. So when we do all that we do, everything is towards a door for the word. For the word. Streaming for what? The word. A venue for the word. Everything, equipment, resources for the word. To get the word out. So every resource a believer gets, comes into possession of is to aid the preaching of the gospel. Are you following me? What is the outcome of the preaching of the gospel? One, the conviction of the Holy Spirit on the hearer as transmitted by the preacher. So as you're preaching the gospel, what's happening is there's a transmission of the ministry of the Holy Spirit that's bringing about conviction in the hearer. It's in the word because the gospel is the power. And you shall receive power after that what? The Holy Spirit has come upon you. So who is the dispenser of the power of God? The Holy Spirit. So if the gospel is the power of God, when you are releasing the gospel, what are you releasing? The Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit that acts upon an unbeliever to convict them is the ministry of the Holy Spirit as released from the preacher. Because the Holy Spirit is not resident in an unbeliever. Do you understand what I've just said to you? So, listen to me. Every time you open your mouth to declare the gospel, I'm not saying don't pray, but you don't need to pray. Oh, I've not, I've not prayed today. I can't preach the gospel. No, it's not your prayer. The gospel is power. 
residue. Open your mouth and start to declare the gospel. Power is released. The Holy Spirit, if he was asleep, if he could by chance be distracted, if he was a slumber, the moment you start to preach the gospel, ah, he comes alive. That's what he's in you for. That's what he's your sufficiency for. So it's as you start to preach the gospel, the Holy Spirit is transmitted to the unbeliever. That's what stirs faith in them as a deposit to receive the gospel. That's what happens when you preach. Now, you, don't, you might not see this. You don't have to. It's in the matrix of the Spirit. Do you understand? You don't have to be preaching, ah, you will cry today. Ah, sinner like you. Yeah, you know what God, what God went to to save you? You're not here, just smoke anyhow. Yeah. Yeah. Only you see in front of you. Ten green bottles standing on your table. Say <laughs> so you're wasting your life. You die now. You know, you now get home now. Your lungs will now swell up. Your kidney will now blow. You now, what will now you now say? Oh no, had I know. <laughs> no. Better, bro, better give a life to Christ today, right now. Tomorrow might be too late. Show me one person in Scripture. Hey, look at me. Paul stood before Felix. Felix, defending his case. Agrippa, who was just invited to hang with Felix, he said, Kai, Paul, you almost convinced me to be a Christian. Why didn't Paul say, ah, we die here? Since I almost convinced you, today, today, you shall be convinced. Whether I like it or yes, what must I do to convince you further? No. He just told Agrippa, I said, I've not, been, I've not been disobedient to the heavenly calling. It's not for you to, did you get that? Just release the gospel. There's conviction. There's the transmission of faith. There's the receiving of salvation. Along with it, there is also persecution. 2 Timothy 2 and 3. Paul tells Timothy, did you catch anything tonight? Paul says to Timothy, therefore you must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Hardship wasn't just referring to being broke, having no money. I don't have time to go into that tonight. Maybe next week if I, if I feel led to continue. But part of preaching the gospel means that you'll be persecuted. I was sharing with somebody who called me, a minister, who is going through a lot of heat now for preaching the gospel. She called me, she said, please preach to me. I said, Pav, just talk to me. I said, oh, by all means. Share with her for like 40 minutes. And I started by telling her, I said, go and check history of people that were persecuted. I said, show me anyone that was persecuted or burnt alive for preaching grace plus law. Go and check the martyrs of faith. Show me one that was killed for being a DJ. None. From Martin Luther to John Wycliffe, William Tyndale to John Huss, and all of them in that era, they all paid the price with their lives for insisting that it's by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And they love not their lives unto the death. Listen, sir, that's how we know that what we are preaching is true when you come for us. This is not believers, because a true believer doesn't even attack. A true believer would just reason with them. You'd be like, oh, whoa. Yeah. Okay, let's reason. Okay, you're not, okay, no worries. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Yeah, do you understand? But now when Christians, Christians start to attack believers for saying that it's not of works, lest any man should be, ah, you have, 
you have stepped on the truth. So therefore, glory in your sufferings. Is anybody hearing me tonight? Because that's the season we're entering, you know. Entering the season of great heat. For this gospel. Great heat. People will stop you. You see Christians, believers, deacons, will stop you and they will hold the neck of your shirt. So you are leading people to hell. It's coming. We will start discussing us. Say all these rascals that are not affiliated to anybody. They're just doing their own thing. Preaching grace message. There's nothing else to preach, sir. Every time Paul started a letter to the church, he said, Grace and peace to you. Grace and peace. He had nothing else to offer. Jesus was announced, John 1:14, and the word of God became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory, the, only, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. We have, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Moses, the law came by Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ, verse 17. So it's coming. We're closing now, but it's coming. Persecutions are following us already, but we're standing tall. We're pressed, but we're not crushed. We're persecuted, we're not abandoned. We're struck down, we're not destroyed. We have nothing yet, possess everything. For the light of the gospel is shining through us. Nothing can, it's the time of the gospel now. You can't stop it. It's a dispensation. If we don't preach it, somebody else will preach it. You keep quiet, somebody, you just be surprised. Somebody else will just spring up from this same calabar, whoop, with the same gospel. Silence one, 7,000 will stand up. Silence 7,000, 70,000 will stand up. We're like a rash that will not heal. Everywhere you scratch us here, we'll open here. We'll scratch us there, we'll open there. It's the time for the gospel. Preach it, don't be afraid of it. Don't be ashamed of it. Preach it. Preach it. Preach it. Preach it. Rise up on your feet and pray in the spirit for a few seconds. <laughs> this concludes this message. Thank you for listening and we hope it has been a blessing to you. For inquiries and further information, please send us an email to info at the or visit our social media platforms.